Uh, yeah, please do turn in, in your Bibles, or if you're using a, a pew Bible, turn to page 1208. 1208. Uh, we're turning to Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. And we're going to be focusing in on two verses, verses 24 to 25. And we're going to read verses 19 to 25 this morning. Uh, we need to understand these two verses, not in isolation, um, but we need to understand them in, in their context this morning. So we turn to Hebrews chapter 10, reading from verse 19. This is God's word, and so we can trust it completely. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray as we come to think about this text. Heavenly Father, we come to your words and we ask that you would help us to understand your words, that you would help us to wrestle with this text, and by your Holy Spirit, that you would be our teacher that you would help us to see the beauty of Christ and what he has done and help us to see the beauty of the church and help us to know how we should live as the people of God in this place and outside in this community. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Uh, to follow Jesus, do we really need each other? Uh, this week, three former Exeter chief rugby players uh, they spoke about their experience of climbing one of the peaks in the Alps. Uh, they climbed over 15,000 feet and they struggled through extreme altitude and really, really hot weather for, uh, uncharacteristically hot weather for this time of year. Uh, they walked 10 and a half miles a day for five days in a row. And in the news article I read, they said it was much harder than they expected but their time playing sport together helped them to spur one another on. And their time playing rugby together, they had been through tough challenges. And so they kind of knew how to help each other get through this tough challenge. And one of the players said that it would have been so hard to climb on their own. And another said, it just shows that when you're in a bit of hurt, you can come out of it with a bit of support around you. And they discovered the difference it can make when you have people around you to spur you on, and they concluded to climb alone would have been impossible. It turns out to keep going, to keep going, we need each other, to spur one another on. And to live for Jesus is no different. Sometimes it can feel like climbing a mountain, it's increasingly hard, and therefore we need each other. We need to stir one another up, we need to spur one another on, otherwise we might give up. In Hebrews 10, the context is God's people are getting a hard time and they're being persecuted. It's increasingly hard to follow Jesus. 
But they're called to endure, to persevere in faith. And then related to this, they're given three instructions. Firstly, let us draw near to God, verse 22. Secondly, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we possess, verse 23. And then thirdly, in order to keep going, spur one another on, verse 24. And we're gonna consider this third instruction this morning. In order to keep going, we need each other. We need to spur one another on. But what are we spurring one another on towards? Uh, the, the rugby players, they, they were aiming for the top of the mountain. What is it that we're aiming for? We're aiming for Christ-likeness. Or as the text says, verse 24, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. But before we go in any further, as I said, we've got to understand these verses in their context. In verses 19 to 22, we're told that we can confidently approach God. And it's not because we're totally lovable. It's not because we're good and loving people. Instead, verse 19 says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. We're accepted by God. We can confidently approach him through Jesus, which is really good news for us. Because actually without Jesus, we can't have so much confidence in approaching God. Instead, it's a fearful thing to approach God. After all, we are weak and small and feeble people. We're struggling people, but God is majestic and mighty and infinite in power. After all, we're imperfect and failing people and so often our lives are full of regret. But God is perfect and therefore it's a fearful thing to approach this God. We've said to the creator of this world, move aside, I don't want anything to do with you, but I want to enjoy life in your creation and take all of your good gifts, but without you. And so it's fearful to approach God. But here, we're given confidence to approach God and live in his presence and how, after all, God is just. He can't sweep wrong under the carpet. It must be held to account. And yet we can approach God and live because of Jesus. He paid for our wrong, he died, he was punished in our place. He's now before the throne of God, pleading our case. And therefore we can confidently approach God. We can go to the throne because Jesus has went before us. But if you're not yet a Christian and you're here this morning, can I say it is really good to have you with us. But also can I ask you to consider who God is? That God is majestic and glorious and all powerful and worthy of our love and affection. But it's a fearful thing to approach him, the perfect and all-knowing God and judge of all the earth. And yet here, we're given much hope. We can approach God, come as we are, imperfect people through Jesus. So come to him. And if you're a Christian here, this is the good news that totally transforms and changes our relationships with one another. Do you see the, the logic of, of the passage? In verses 19 to, to 22, first of all, God the Father, through his son Jesus, in his love and goodness, accepts us and welcomes us the way we are. And therefore, compelled by what Jesus has done, we move towards love 
and good deeds. We move towards this way of life. This is the gospel. We move towards love and good deeds because we thirst experience the love and goodness of God and accepting us through Jesus. But God having accepted us the way we are, he is changing us, he's transforming us into the likeness of Jesus so that we walk in this way. But so often, so often our hearts are pulled in the wrong direction. And therefore we need to wake one another up. We need to give each other a shake. We need to stir up one another and spur one another on to move towards Christ-likeness love and good deeds, and not towards sin. And actually here in the text, love and good deeds, they're in verse 24, they're, they're inseparable. These aren't two separate ideas. Love is expressed in action. In, love is not simply just a feeling, but it's expressed in how we relate to one another. And what might this look like for us? Well, over the last two weeks, we've been thinking about serving. We had the serve event and we're thinking about serving one another from, tech, from scripture also. And so maybe we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds, towards loving and serving in, in the ministries of this church. But then again, this should spill over into our lives outside of, outside of these walls too. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we met every week and spurred one another on to be the best teachers so that the kids look back on their time at school and think, there's something different about my teacher. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were spurring each other on to be the most caring and compassionate and loving nurses and doctors? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were spurring one another on to be the most diligent, hardworking and attentive shop assistants? You get the idea that, that this should consume our lives but how do we do this? How do we spur one another on? Some people might say, my faith is personal. I, I, I don't need the church. I can live for Jesus on my own. But actually, this passage says otherwise. And instead, this passage shows us three ways that we can spur one another on. And the first is by meeting, by meeting. Until... Uh, May of this year, I used to play for uh, a local Middlestar football team. And at the start of the year, our, our goal was promotion. And the year before, we had done quite well. We had come third. We had just missed out in promotion. And we thought, yeah, we were so confident. And we started off and we were training twice a week. And then the season started and some of us um, got out of the habit of meeting to train. We weren't meeting. And it just turned out a disaster. We weren't meeting, we weren't training, we weren't spurring one another on, and we found ourselves in a relegation battle. It was a disaster. And more significantly, the writer of Hebrews is saying here that not meeting together as a church is an even greater disaster. And yet some people, it seems, are opting out. But in response, verse 25 says, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Some people have walked away from the church. Maybe it's because they're, they're getting a hard time for following Jesus. If you don't wanna be persecuted, just don't go to church. But we're not told exactly why they've given up. But what we are told is 
don't give up meeting. It's really important. And yet more personally, we might not face the same sort of struggles that those that this letter was written to were facing. But we do face difficult seasons. And in those times, it can be so easy to close in on ourselves and isolate ourselves and forget about others and their lives. We opt out of meeting, even though community might be what we need most. Still, even when things are going well, Throughout history, people have found many reasons to stay away from church. However, to love Jesus is to love his church. And so we, we should want to meet together and we need to meet together. We need one another to spur one another on and we can do it by meeting. And why do we meet? Yes, we're told to, but why is it good and important? We meet at public worship because we meet Christ in a really special way. We meet because congregational worship helps us to adore God in, in a way that isn't easily replicated in isolation. We meet to hear God speak through his word, to hear of his promises, to be reminded of his faithfulness. We meet to remind one another that Christ died and rose again and is seated enthroned at the right hand of God the Father. We meet each other to remind one another of the world to come to remind one another that sin will ruin us, but turn to Christ for mercy. We meet to spur one another on to love and good deeds, to go and scatter and be witnesses for Christ. So let's meet, let's make it a priority. To keep going, we need to spur one another on. So first of all, how are we gonna do this? By meeting. And then secondly, by encouraging. By encouraging. At verse 25, let us not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. We meet to encourage one another, to spur one another on. And I think in the most basic way, encouraging one another begins by simply turning up. If you were here back in June and you were involved in the Holiday Bible Club, I'm sure you were really encouraged, really encouraged by the fact that so many people just turned up with united in purpose and with a desire to tell children and young people about Jesus. That's really encouraging. And have you been around church much longer than I have? And when people simply turn up, it is so encouraging. And we need encouragement. Most of all, we need words of encouragement. If we're gonna endure suffering, reject temptation, lovingly serve in church and witness to those outside, and trust and obey God, we need a steady stream of encouragement. Often we can get to a Sunday and the past week has left us worn out and tired and a little bit beaten up. And so we need that sense of encouragement. We need to be reminded of biblical truths and pointed towards Jesus. We need to encourage one another. And there's two types of encouragement. There's the gentle type of encouragement and there's the more pressing type of encouragement. Uh, so the gentle type of encouragement. Uh, picture uh, a little boy and he's struggling with his long division. We've, we've all been there and really struggling. And his mom comes along and, and says, don't worry, don't panic. It'll be okay. We'll work at this together. You will work at it and, and you'll get there. There's that gentle type of encouragement. 
But equally, there's a more pressing kind of encouragement that a mum might give to her son. Uh, it's morning before school and uh, the little boy is fooling around and not getting his stuff together and you're trying to get out the door and there's the more pressing type of encouragement. Uh, stop doing that. Get your stuff together. We need to get out the door. Don't do that. Do this. There's these two types of encouragement. And in church, there's a time for that gentle type of encouragement and there's a time for that more pressing sort of encouragement. There's a time for both. Sometimes we might need to be gently encouraged and other times we might need to be rebuked. But whatever type of encouragement is required, we all need to be encouraged. We need to spur one another on by encouraging one another. But how do we do know what type of encouragement is needed? Well, that begins by considering one another. And that brings us to our last point. We spur one another on by considering, by considering. Notice at the start of verse 24, we read, let us consider how you may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. In order to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, we need to be considering those around us. We need to be thoughtful and think about the people around us. Of course, it's really easy to just think about ourselves, but we need to make a conscious effort to think about those around us. Is someone discouraged? Is someone tempted? Is someone really, really struggling? Without being pushy and needlessly nosy, we should give genuine and loving consideration to those around us. And what might this look like? To help us think about this, I've made up three people. And the first is consider Timothy. So Timothy hasn't been around church in a while. And you bump into Timothy in town and you say, oh, we've really missed you at church. And he says, look, I play golf on a Sunday morning now. I've just got out of the habit of coming to church. To be honest, I'm not really that interested in church and Christianity anymore. So consider people like him. What's he thinking? What sort of encouragement might he need? He needs to be encouraged to come back to church. He might need challenged about his priorities. He might need that more pressing type of encouragement. He might need reminded that Jesus lovingly welcomes us back and even pursues us when we've lost our way. Or consider people like Jessica, uh, the last year has been really tough for her. Her husband was in a car accident and uh, she, he's really struggling and she's just trying to look after the kids and, and juggle so many things. It's really hard. Consider people like her. What's she feeling? What kind of encouragement does she need? She might need to be encouraged to use the Psalms to cry and lament before God. And she probably needs to be encouraged and reminded that God is sovereign and kind, but she doesn't need to hear everything all at once. Or what about Ted? Uh, Ted has been around church forever. Really enthusiastic, turns up at everything, loves Jesus, and is always so positive. Surely someone like that doesn't need encouragement. But then again, we all need encouragement. What might it be for him? Maybe he needs reminded of the eternal significance of all he does in church, serving the Lord. Of course, these are made up people. 
But the point is that we all face different circumstances in life and we all need different types of encouragement and we need to thoughtfully consider one another and encourage those around us. And so as we look around us, who could we encourage this week? The Christian life is hard and we need to spur one another on by meeting, by encouraging, and by considering. And notice verse 25, we're to do this all the more as the day approaches. The Bible looks forward to the day when Jesus returns, this day at the end of history. And here we're encouraged to keep on going until this day comes, to spur one another on all the more as this day approaches by meeting, encouraging, and thinking of one another, considering one another. This day coming will be a day of judgment, but also a day of celebration. Jesus will come as judge and savior. And on that day, all of God's people will meet together and gather to worship him forever. But until that day, let's spur one another on. Let's encourage one another. Let's keep going. Let's spur one another on to live for Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who is faithful to us and that ultimately you are the one that holds us and helps us to endure by faith. But we thank you that you have placed us among a people of, of yours to help us going, to keep us going, help us to live for you and to trust in you day by day. In Christ's name we pray, amen.